0: would uh, take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 98. Psalm 98. We've got some Bibles in the back there uh, if you need one. But when it comes to Christmas time, uh, I know a lot of us probably have our favorite uh, Christmas hymn or Christmas songs that we uh, really enjoy. Uh, we want to sing, you know, make sure that our church sings that on, on Christmas morning or around that time. And for me, one of my favorites growing up was Joy to the World. Right, so, Joy to the World has been uh, one of those Christmas hymns for me that I always want to sing. I love uh, you know, almost every rendition of it. Um, it's one of those things that's just really good. You know. And so, for me, as I started to, to brainstorm for these Advent sermons that we are doing here at church, uh, I started thinking about these hymns that I really enjoy. And as I thought about Joy to the World, I turned to Joy to the World in, in the hymnal that we have and I realized that it was based upon a psalm. I didn't know that before. Based upon a psalm, which is Psalm 98. And uh, as I read Psalm 98, I also did some digging into the background, (coughs) and history of of this uh, hymn, Joy to the World, and learned a few things that I wanna share with you before we read Psalm 98 together. So, uh, so, uh, Joy to the World was written by Isaac Watts, okay? Famous hymn writer, uh, in his own time, and, um, but he was kind of a pioneer in hymn writing. He was not necessarily very popular with the church when he was uh, writing these hymns, but obviously the church has benefited from the hymns that he wrote, um, and, and we sing them all the time. But his father basically challenged him to do something about his discontentment with the church's hymns of that time and songs of that time. And basically he challenged him to go and to write uh, these hymns that what he, he thought the ones of the church kind of lacked joy, uh, lacked a, a sense of emotion, a healthy emotion in the Lord. And so he challenged him to go and write these hymns, and Joy to the World was actually one of them. And Joy to the World was actually not written originally as a Christmas hymn. Um, it was just actually written as a, a poem, um, and it was a poem based on the Psalms. And uh, he wrote these uh, collection of poems, published in 1719, and uh, this was actually one of them. And the song focuses actually more on his second coming than his first. And so you may be asking a question: Why do we sing it at Christmas time? And we're going to get back to that at the very end. But it is based upon Psalm 98, and we are going to read that together um, and uh, and study that this morning. So if you guys would stand with me as we read God's Word, Psalm 98. <coughs> which the famous hymn, Joy to the World, is based upon, okay? So hear now the word of the Lord to you this morning. It says this, Sing to the Lord a new song, for He has done marvelous things. His right hand and His holy arm have worked salvation for Him. The Lord has made His salvation known and revealed His righteousness to the nations. He has remembered His love and His faithfulness to the house of Israel, All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout for joy to the Lord. All the earth burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp. With the harp and the sound of singing. With trumpets and the blast of a ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord, the King. Let the sea resound and everything in it. The world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. You may be seated. So this morning as we study Psalm 98 together, we're going to see that because Jesus is the king over all the earth, that means that all the earth should joyfully praise him. As we await his second coming. So because Jesus is the king over all the earth, all the earth should joyfully praise him as we await his second coming. And so first we're going to look at the obvious of who we joyfully praise. Who we joyfully praise. We just looked at this in verse 1 and it states it very clearly for us as if we need a reminder who it is we praise, who it is we worship here on Sunday mornings. But it says this, O sing to the Lord, a new song, for he has done marvelous things. And so here the psalmist reminds us that it is the God of the Bible, our Lord God who we praise and no other. We said earlier that we tend to get joyful about a lot of things in our life. Maybe it's our favorite sports team. Maybe it's our own sport that we play. Maybe it's our favorite TV show or our favorite music artists. Or politician or whatever it may be but here God is reminding us that we are to be most excited about God himself that our joy our greatest and deepest joys belong to him and that really all these other things that we find joy in are meant to fuel our joy for him and him alone but before we move on I think there's something here about the who question that I want us to see See, all of Scripture, we know, points to Jesus, right? Jesus said that all of the Bible points to Him in some way and some form. It finds its fulfillment in Him. And that's especially true here of Psalm 98. Psalm 98 is about Jesus. And we're going to see how it is about Jesus in our sermon this morning. One author, uh, as he summarizes how this psalm is about Jesus, he says that there are three roles, essentially, that Jesus ultimately fulfills and does perfectly. And these three roles are Savior, King, and Judge. Savior, King, and Judge, which we find here in Psalm 98. You'll see in verses 1 through 3, Jesus is our Savior. And then uh, verses 4 through 6, Jesus is our King. And then 7 through 9, Jesus is our judge. See, we know it's ultimately that Jesus saves us from our sins. That's how he is our Savior. He went to that cross. He lived that perfect life for us on our behalf that we could never live. He took the penalty that we deserve and saved us from our sins. We know that it is Jesus who is our true King. The one that we've always wanted and looking for here on this earth and yet somehow cannot find it. He is that king. We don't find it in a political leader as we just went through a political season of turmoil and and all kind of division. Saying who should be our greatest leader? Well, as Christians, we know who our king is. Our king is King Jesus. And we also know that Jesus is the one who will come back one day to judge the world in perfect righteousness and equity. We're reminded of that in our preparation for worship in Acts 17. It is Jesus who will come to judge the world. There is a day that he has appointed, which all men and women and children will stand before him and give an account for their lives. And so the glory of Christ is, is shown off in a very unique way as we look at these three roles, Jesus our Savior, Jesus our King, and Jesus our Judge. But even as this psalm is a psalm that is filled with joy, that theme is repeated over and over and over again, just as the hymn, Joy to the World, is, there is a warning here for you and I. There is a day in which there will be a reckoning for everybody. You know, normally when we talk about appearing before a judge, that's kind of a scary thing. I remember when I got, I was in college, I think I told my mom this, but um, (laughs) when I was in college, uh, I had to appear before a judge my freshman year. And I had to appear before a judge because of the jet skiing ticket. Right? So I've never gotten a driving ticket, but I did get a jet ski ticket. It was the most ridiculous thing in the world. But I do remember coming before the judge, and I was scared. I was nervous. You know, I was like, okay, I'm standing here. These guys are pleading counts for you know, possession of drugs and this kind of thing. And I'm like, okay, I have a jet ski ticket, and I don't know what this person is going to say. You know? But I was scared. I was nervous. But for God's people, the coming of Jesus the judge is going to be a good thing. It's going to be a very good thing. We're not going to be nervous on that day. We shouldn't be nervous if we are trusting in Jesus. Because we are standing in His righteousness alone. And therefore we know the verdict. We know that it will be not guilty for people like you and me. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. We have and are clothed in His righteousness. And therefore we should look for that day... As one of us said earlier, come quickly, Lord Jesus. We want that day to come. But there's also an implicit warning here for those that are not trusting in Jesus. Those that are, are, are not right with God. Those that are living in their sin. And the warning here is to get right with Jesus. The warning here is to repent of your sins and put your faith in Him alone for your salvation. That this is not just something that we talk about here on Sunday and it has no relevance for the rest of our life. No, this is eternal things of eternal importance. And I want to encourage you so that you can sing joy to the world with us here today. That you would uh, repent of your sins and turn to Jesus alone for your salvation. See, our second point here now as we turn to it is why we joyfully praise. We have established here in the psalm who we praise. It is God. And particularly here we are looking at the person and work of Jesus. But why do we praise him? Point two. Let's go back to verse one. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Why? For he has done marvelous things. For he has done marvelous things. See, God's people here in Psalm 98 are called to joyfully praise God because of His salvation. To joyfully praise God because of His covenant love and faithfulness to people that don't deserve it. He is called; We are called to praise Him joyfully because of His kingship and the righteous way in which He will judge all the world one day. These four reasons are the reasons that we are called to To worship him. But I want to focus in on one here in verse 3. It says this. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. See, one of the reasons that Israel could praise God joyfully. And we connected to Israel as the covenant people of God. Is because of this covenant idea in scripture. This idea that we are joined to God, that we are bonded to Him through His promise. A special relationship of promise. Because of His continued love and His faithfulness to us. And you and I know that there is no way that we could love God unless He first loved us. There is no way that we could be faithful to God unless He is first faithful to us. And always faithful to us. And always upholding us. If he were to stop that for a moment, we would have run as far away as possible from him. And yet he is always faithful because he is our God. We are in a special relationship called a covenant with him. He says, I love you no matter what. I treat you based on not what you have done, but what Christ has done. And therefore, I will always love you. I will always initiate to you. I will always be faithful to you and me so this is one of the reasons why the people of God can sing joyfully and there are two things here I think for us to notice here the first one is this that God has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness through this idea of a covenant he has treated us based on his commitment to us not our commitment to him if it were the opposite way around we wouldn't be singing much joy we'd be singing another song but not this song The second thing is this, that the people of God have seen His salvation. It's something that they have tasted and seen. Just like you and I, if we have professed faith in Christ and we are walking with Him, we have seen His salvation. We have tasted it. It's changed our lives. We are not the people that we used to be. We are different. God is making us into new people. He is changing us day by day. And so we see here that this is not some theoretical joy, some idea. But this is a real practical joy in which God's people experience, in which we taste and see. And that is why their hearts, and the people of Israel, and that's why our hearts can sing joyfully. That's why we can obey verse 4 that says, make a joyful noise to the Lord. Because we're reminded through things, even like the Lord's Supper, that we'll celebrate, that we have been saved. And we can celebrate joyfully. So we've seen here in the text that uh, Jesus, He's been our Savior, He's been our King, He's been our Judge. We've seen why it is we are to worship Him and joyfully praise Him. But now we're going to turn to how we joyfully praise the Lord. How we joyfully praise the Lord. This is not a a trick question because even in the question is the answer. We joyfully praise the Lord. Verse 4 says this, Make a joyful noise to the Lord. All the earth, break forth into joyous song and sing praises. See that the theme of joy dominates this song. It's repeated over and over and over again so that you and I would not miss The call to joyfully worship God. This is not some dry or drab or heartless emotional praise. This is a praise that engages in the depths of who we are. Those times when we really get who He is and what He has done for us, what other response would there be than a burst of joy? The type of joy here is it's it's kind of saying that I'm so happy and joyful in Jesus, who He is and what He has done that I just can't keep it in. That's why it says, "Burst forth in joy, joyous praise and song." One commentator talked about this uh, idea of joyful noise by saying, "This it's a spontaneous shout that would meet a Greek, uh, that might greet a king or a moment of victory. It's a yes." Here he is, our king, our victor, our Lord, who has done great things for us. It's a shout of joy. See, many times too much of our worship is lacking joy. It's lacking an emotional response to the truth. That's me included. Many times I don't sing joyfully because honestly, for some odd reason or whatever reason it is, I don't feel all that joyful. I come into worship on Sunday mornings, or I'm I'm coming into work and trying to sing a song, and I'm really not all that joyful. And sometimes that has to do with personality. Some of us are are less joyful than others. Some of us kind of have an Eeyore personality sometimes and struggle kind of walking around, moping around. Some people call me a pessimist. I like to say I'm a realist, you know. But uh, sometimes I have that attitude among me, that Eeyore kind of thing that i got to get my eyes off of myself and off of my circumstances to say, man, this is what the Lord has done for me. I need to be joyful in Him. God, help me to sing a joyful and naturally joyful song to you. And you know, also, surround me with people that are naturally joyful. I'm thankful those people in my life that God has put, that they're just naturally happy, Right? You know, sometimes you want to punch him in the face and say, why are you so happy? Quit being so happy. But most of the time, it's a good thing, right? It's a good thing that rubs off when you say, you know what? i got a lot to be happy about, right? i got to quit moping around. i got to quit complaining and realize the ways that the Lord has blessed us and blessed me. I need that. And you know what? I'm very thankful also that's one of the core values of our church. We want to be a church that celebrates joyful worship. We used to go through our um, core values in the beginning of the service, and I want to read for you the one that talks about joyful worship. It says this: the gospel moves us, or moves us worship. The gospel moves us to worship the Lord joyfully. The gospel calls believers to join hands across cultural barriers and to lift up their voices together in praise of their Savior. At New City Fellowship of Atlantic City, we strive for vibrant. Celebrative worship with a clear, focused preaching of the word of God. That's our goal here. And that comes straight from scripture. We want to be a people who worship joyfully our God. And have that joyful worship really infiltrate every part of our lives. Not just on a Sunday morning. But also there's something for us to see here as we study Psalm 98. And there is, there, there is an interesting progression as the psalm goes along. Look at Psalm 98 with me. It calls us, first of all, kind of as we're looking at the first few verses, that God's people are to be joyfully worshiping. But then as it gets to the end, in verses 7 through 9, it calls all of creation to worship God. So not just God's people are worshiping joyfully, but also God's creation out there is worshiping its creator. Remember the chorus of the first verse of Joy to the World. It says, And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. Or verse 2 that says this, Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ while fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding Joy. See, there is a joy that even the rocks and even the ocean and the animals and everything around us, there is a joy that they express to God, their creator and their maker. They worship alongside of us, as it were, right? And we see here, them talking about the the rivers clapping, right? This idea of worship, that all of God's creation will joyfully worship Him, both now and then perfectly in the future. We can see this in a beautiful sunset or sunrise, or when the leaves change in the mountains. (coughs) Where my wife's from, she loves the changing leaves in the mountains. They're beautiful. Or maybe the clear blue waters of the Caribbean Ocean. Or maybe the bloom of a spring flower after a very cold winter. Each sing for joy in their creator. Yes, the creation has been affected by the fall, but we can see still the creation singing glory, hallelujah, to its creator and maker. Just alongside of people like you and me. See, this hymn, Joy to the World, that we have been talking about, is a very good application of Psalm 98. It's just taken straight from the scripture and then really applying the scripture. It tells us to make a joyful noise. And that's exactly what Isaac Watts sought to do. To help God's people make a joyful noise to the Lord. Now that we realize that the psalm, this psalm that was based off of, it really looks forward to Jesus' second coming. We're coming back to that thing in the the question in the beginning. Why do we sing it at Christmas time? Why do we sing this song at Christmas time when it talks really about this idea of Jesus coming back as the judge and our king? Well, there's a reason, and a good reason. I want to quote for you um, from a a lady named Alyssa Poblet. She talks about this, um, answering our question. It says this. This song is all about the fulfillment of what Christ came to do in the first place. Christmas is not only a time to look back at the grace accomplished in the past, Christmas is also a time to look forward to the grace that accomplished was accomplished for us in the future. When we sing these words, we are proclaiming the ultimate joy to be revealed. That is why we sing joy, That's why we can sing "Joy to the World" at Christmas time. So we can take this Christmas hymn, which is based off of a psalm that really talks about His second coming, and we can sing about it when we celebrate His first coming because it looks forward to the future of what he came to do in the first place in that manger as a baby boy born to an average poor family in a little town in Bethlehem. In that way, you and I can sing joyfully this song and other songs that we proclaim the worthiness and the glory of God and that our highest joy and our highest affection can be to him alone Because He is our Savior. He is our King, and He is our Judge. And those are beautiful things to be reminded of. And so we will get a chance to sing Joy to the World here at the close of our service. And hopefully now you have a better picture of what this hymn is all about. And really to help us to joyfully sing a new song to the Lord this Christmas season. And that would stir those things up in us, or up in us, for Jesus, our Savior, our King, and our Judge. Let's so pray with me. Father, we thank you for this morning. God, we thank you for your Word. Uh, Lord, we we know that we need it desperately. God, much of our week is spent just uh, struggling through the mundane, struggling through the mundane of parenthood or uh, our job or whatever else it may be, just taking things... That, taking our, our care of the, the daily cares of life. And yet, Lord, we need to come each week and to come to be under your word, to be fed. And so, Lord, we thank you for this Psalm 98. We thank you for how it reminds us of Jesus, how it turns our eyes back to him at this Christmas time to help to see him as our Savior and as our King and as our Judge. God, I just personally ask for myself and I personally ask for our congregation that you would help us to have a joyful heart about us this week. Forgive us for the times that we complain. Forgive us for the times that we mope around and forget who you are. Forget what you've done. Remind us of that in this Christmas season, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.